Welcome, my friends, to another edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, a bit of a, a, a melancholy day for me today as I learned of the passing of my dear friend, Michael Bednarik, this morning, August 11th, 2022. Um, I take solace in the fact, though, as we broadcast today, that I've got my 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 good friend, Jonathan Eboard, with me. And, you know, both some of the most stalwart defenders of liberty you'll ever meet on this journey, on this on this earthly plane. And and so we celebrate his life, Michael Badnarik's life, and uh, Jonathan E. Moore's with me the first hour. We've got a new guest, uh, an, author, an author I met at the Red Pill Expo in hour two we'll get to. Uh, but uh, pardon my emotionality today. It's going to be that, a little bit of a, a, a ride up and down the ladder, so to speak, as we uh, acknowledge the liberty that we love here, the defense of it, and the reestablishment of it for ourselves and our posterity that Michael Badnarik worked tirelessly since I met him when he ran for president for the Libertarian Party in 2004. And uh, life goes on and we'll continue in that vein as well. So thank you for being here. Share the show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. I think we might be going out on Facebook Live today as well as our normal routes, but uh, hopefully I can see in the chat room as well. And I thank you so much for being here. Let me see if I can get this uh, healing party started right about now. Robert Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Okay, here we go. We're starting another episode of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Again, uh, uh, usually a joyous celebration, and it still is because, my, uh, well, Jonathan E. Mord is reason enough to celebrate every week when we get together. And uh, he makes me smile because you think about brothers and, you know, sisters for all the women out there as well in liberty that love and devote their lives to defend in defense of that Liberty and in an ideal that is so high, it reaches to the heart of God itself. And I say that because one of the greatest gifts I've acknowledged in this lifetime, besides the life itself is the freedom that is granted by our creator, by God. And, you know, whether everybody's got, I recognize different beliefs about a creator, God, et cetera, but the freedom comes and it preexisted the establishment of government on, on this earth, including the United States government, under initially, you know, first the Declaration of Independence that set the stage to remove ourselves from the uh, crown and subjugation of England uh, to the Articles of Confederation and in, in order to form a more perfect union, the Constitution. And remember, of course, those Bill of Rights, 10, first 10 amendments, they don't grant us a single right. You know, it's a it's a in a pop quiz trick question and say, how many rights does the Bill of Rights grant you? The answer is zero. It protects or it's designed to protect the rights that exist before even government. And it's not an exhaustive list, but it certainly mentions a number of things. Medical freedom wasn't put into the Constitution. Benjamin Rush had, was prophesied that it would be a problem one day, and we're, we're seeing that as well. Along my journey of meeting some profound stalwart defenders of liberty in this lifetime, among them, Michael Badnarik. I met him uh, for the first time when I was broadcasting live. I was the only national radio a show in 2004 uh, broadcasting live from Atlanta at that time, I think it was the Hyatt Regency, the national libertarian national convention. And there was Aaron Russo and uh, Nolan, Gary Nolan, who were the two front runners. And Aaron Russo did uh, freedom to fascism, that film. Uh, and he had produced uh, a number of movies, et cetera. And I think about network. I don't know if he was associated with that, but you remember the famous line, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. But this dark horse candidate, the third guy on the on the on the list, 
Michael Bednarik. No one expected him to win. But apparently in the convention, the two lead, leading candidates kind of canceled each other out in a sense, and Bednarik became the nominee that year. And I was set up on a table back when we had to hook up through ISDN lines, live doing a three-hour Sunday syndicated radio show broadcast of the Libertarian National Convention. They ushered him out for his first interview when he got the nomination. He was a deer in the headlights. And, uh, you know, at that time, of course, it was just a, a couple of years past 9-11 and all of the unconstitutional usurpation through the fear of terrorism and terrorism, uh, like, you know, well, the Department of Homeland Security was evolving. But at this point, they were they were telegraphing the idea Bush was about mandatory emergency vaccinations. Where have you heard this before? Back then it was, should we bring out smallpox? And what about anthrax? And I was like, you know, I knew better as a homeopath already that that stuff was dangerous. And certainly if you wanted to have access to it, you know, I'm a freedom guy. I wouldn't stop, but to force it, no. And I asked Michael Badnarik, one of my first questions as I'm interviewing him, not knowing him from Adam at that moment, Mr. Badnarik, Michael Badnarik, uh, what do you say to the proposed ideas that are out coming from the Bush administration of, of mandatory, you know, vaccines because of the terror scare? And he barely blinked and he said, well, doc, you bring your syringe. I'll bring my 45 and we'll see who makes a bigger hole. And of course he became very famous for that. People always wanted him to say that because it was quite an astonishing thing to, to, to let, not that he was a violent man that he wanted to incite or in, instigate violence, but he recognized the right to keep and bear arms. The right of self-defense was something that could protect you, prevent violence. And he, like I believe that violating the skin with a needle of unknown contents is an absolute violation of your right to life, liberty, and property, and you don't know what's in it, so you have a right to self-defense. And that put it right on the line for people to say, you know what, I need to stand up for my bodily autonomy, and the government has no place in it, leave, leave us out of it, and stay away from my kids too. We've learned about that much more in the ensuing years, particularly with COVID craziness and the so-called mandatory or semi-mandatory or pseudo-mandatory vaccines that are not even vaccines in terms of mRNA technology injections. And, and we've seen the evolution of thought. In fact, 96 or so, 95% of American parents have no interest in getting that shot for their kids five months, six months to, to five years. Now, I don't say it's because of me or Michael Badnarik or any one person, but recognize that the undercurrents of liberty, that if we speak that truth into being and not remain cowering in fear and silence because we're afraid we might be ostracized or ridiculed because we believe in a principle with all of our very being, Michael Badnarik lived his life, did not concern himself what people thought about him. If they, you know, he was disappointed that people didn't take him up on, here's the challenge, here's the liberty. You got to take it. You got to live it. And by the way, his, his book, um, Good to be King, The Foundation for a Constitutional Freedom, still available in chapter uh, two on the difference between rights and privileges is still available for free download on his website, badnarik.org. And I'd urge everybody to read that because if you don't know the difference between a right and a privilege, you're lost before you even begin. So my sadness is tempered by the knowledge that those who knew Michael Badnarik are enriched because of that. And the fact that he did leave us some of his writings that we can take uh, a lot from on an ongoing basis. And with that, I'm grateful for my friend being with me today. Also, another brother in liberty, Jonathan E. Moore. God bless you, my brother. It's good to see you in, in, in spite of the loss that I'm feeling today and those who knew Michael Badnarik. 
Yeah, I didn't know him personally. I think you might have introduced me to him at some point. Briefly, probably. maybe even at one of the shows where we were transitioning. But I don't know that you ever met him in person. But you would have really smiled and appreciated him when he talked in, in a language that we both understand and live. Yeah, and your endorsement and the words you had uh, for him are profound, and I appreciate that. We always are diminished when someone who is capable of communicating about liberty in eloquent ways and in persuasive ways is taken from us. But um, he's given us a legacy, you say, in, yeah. in his writings, and so that uh, that can enable us to understand what he wanted to convey, even if he's not here. But I, I, uh, you know, I don't know. Did he have a family? Well, he he was. I, I think he might have one brother remaining. His parents had died, and his other brothers have died. And I, I I got to know them all over the years, and they were all such amazing people with such amazing journeys. And I'll say this about Michael: he lived an extraordinary life. I mean, he was a very brilliant man. He worked in uh, computer programming on 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 nuclear submarine uh, issues. I mean, this guy he jumped jumped out of airplanes. He taught skydiving. He he was a sailor. I mean, he. Uh, he was an Eagle Scout. I mean, this guy in his lifetime did extraordinary things, traveled around the world. And in the last years, you know, since he was the nominee for president in 04 for the Libertarian Party, it obviously changed his life. And he became, you know, a lecturer, speaker. He would travel around tire tirelessly. He ran at one point for Congress in Texas and, and didn't win against the establishment candidates. But um, people came to know and appreciate his directness. But also, you know, like I talk about you when you speak about the history of this country how I feel transported back to that time. And this was a, a gift that Michael Badnarik had as well. When he spoke of these things, you were transported back in there and you had such passion and excitement. And, and there was great humor in it as well, the way he uh, you know, related certain things like rights and privileges. I talk about that chapter in his book that is just, just so simple and direct in terms of understanding the difference. And so many people, even Jonathan, that kind of are uh, friends to liberty, they get the confusion between rights versus privileges, even today. So we still have a ways to go. Well, um, he's, uh, he's leaving us at a time when liberty is really under assault from all directions. And, um, you know, when we, when, when we need people who are like that standing for us the most, it hurts to lose one and, uh, it should cause the rest of us to redouble our efforts. Agreed. And I, and I know today's main topic is just as bizarre as it ever gets on this show with covering the news cycle. Uh, the DOJ, somebody signed off on a warrant of, I don't know, general or specific nature going into Mar-a-Lago and claiming that they want to get papers that were illegally taken. I, I don't even understand the whole premise, but I know that it's a disaster for the Biden administration, the backlash on this, the real, the reality is people are not going, Oh, Trump's the worst guy ever. Now they're saying, what the heck is the DOJ doing? This is a political, you know, hit squad rather than something that's just trying to establish some form of justice. This is so transparently a political action. Uh, they're using the power of the FBI for the purpose of punishing the former president. They thought that this raid would, would put him in the crosshairs and enable the public to see him not as a defender of their rights and interests and as a president who was great, but rather as a petty criminal. And that's what they wanted to do. They sent 24, roughly 24 FBI agents to Mar-a-Lago to acquire documents. This is just a paper retrieval operation, yet they sent 24 
FBI agents from Washington, D.C. to do that. Uh, they had the most dubious bases to proceed. Uh, under the Fourth Amendment, they needed probable cause. They got a judge, apparently a magistrate judge, who is a uh, has a strong tie to the Democrat Party, who issued the the warrant. It's an ex-party warrant. There was no information conveyed to the president's attorneys or to the president, uh, former President Trump, that they were going to come. So they were they were oblivious to that. Trump was in uh, the Trump Tower in New York at the time. Um, his attorney, one of his attorneys, Christina Bob, was there uh, apparently a short time after the raid began. But when it comes to the legality of this, I've written that I think it is illegal. I think that the warrant was improperly obtained because they didn't have probable cause. This is a situation where you have a legal controversy as to uh, the propriety of proceeding. And in light of that controversy, because it is a legal one, the judge should have refused to issue a warrant and instead uh, demand that if the government wished to proceed, that it uh, file some action and, and proceed by subpoena, enabling the other side to respond, or at, at least have a, if they wish to proceed with this, allow counsel for the other side to be informed and to be able to communicate as to the uh, merits of the president's position. Because in the first instance, under Article 2 of the Constitution, the president as commander-in-chief has the inherent power to uh, identify or de-identify a document as classified. As a consequence, any statement that this proceeded on national security grounds is rendered dubious because, uh, for all they know, uh, Donald Trump, while serving as president, may have declassified the information. All you need to do is say that this information is declassified. They don't have uh, individuals from his administration who are there to testify, but the president himself can declassify information. So on the last day when he, when th this information is being packed, uh, it would be, it could be possible that they packed information that was declassified, but still contained markings of classification. And in fact, Cash Patel, one of the president's uh, uh, advisors, aides, um, said that very thing. He said he was aware that the, the of the materials being put assembled and boxed uh, to be sent down to Mar-a-Lago, and that he was assured that the information contained in it uh, was not declassified, but that I mean was declassified, but that some of the information still bore classified markings. Um, in addition, uh, there had been a long history of cooperation here. The president had returned to uh, the National Archives um, and Records Administration 15 boxes that they requested. And uh, they had come by in June, and uh, the FBI did. And, and Trump then said, you're, you know, I'm, I want to be as transparent as possible. Look and see whatever there is here. And if there's anything that you think should be removed, let, let us know. Hmm. So he wasn't, uh, there was no uh, evidence of a risk of destruction of documents. Uh, there was no clear indication that they knew exactly which documents he continued to possess. They acted apparently without the knowledge of the archivist of the United States at the 
National Archives and Records Administration. Uh, they um, uh, therefore had no legal foundation, no probable cause. Hmm. Uh, they, they, they have some Democrats have suggested that 18 U.S.C. Section 2071 applies, and that that's a, a law that makes it a felony to willfully uh, and unlawfully um, remove or uh, uh, obliterate or uh, mutilate a document uh, that is filed um, or lodged with a court or with a uh, with Congress or with uh, an agency of the government. Um, and it prohibits the person who engages in that willful conduct from running for office. So that that was swirling around actually among uh, discussions by lawyers for Trump for, I mean, the lawyers for Democrats for some time before this happened. And it appears to be what they were really, uh, one of the things they were trying to do. I think uh, they were trying in the, in the, in the narrow sense to obtain information of that sort, to use it as a basis to indict. And then mm -hmm. and they would hope to convict Trump. Stop and, them from and, running. I mean, it, yeah. is this outside of the most fervent, uh, you know, Democrat Trump hating, uh, uh, deranged Looney Tune, uh, who sees this as a, a, a you know, carrying out of any form of justice other than a targeted hit. Now, again, take a side whether you like or hate trump or anywhere in between the and this is what i see the responses happening out there that they're like look even for people to say i, I don't particularly like trump this is just this you know we now need to go after fbi and dismantle it a That's and true. other agencies the doj is now a corrupt organization clearly now we pointed okay. out these things over the years but i mean this is, the, this is that ever since comey we've seen rather directly and the whole thing with the uh, efforts to, you know, label Trump as a person who was colluding with the Russians to to, to alter the course of the election, uh, and that that was groundless. They had no evidence whatsoever. The Steele dossier they knew to be fabricated. They knew it was false. They knew it was unreliable. Yet they used it to go before the FISA courts. They swore to its integrity when they knew it wasn't. Uh, so they committed fraud in order to get uh, the legal authorization to wiretap Trump and and his aides. And then they pursued, even though they knew they had no foundation whatsoever, uh, this whole uh, uh, prosecution of Trump over the matter. And Schiff and Pelosi, the whole Democratic leadership was in on this. And they were participating in this effort to destroy Trump's presidency, impeach him, and have him removed by the Senate based on false representations, demonstrably false representations. So this is a continuation of the politicization of justice, unequal justice we see all the time. In fact, in, a, in, in an article that will run tomorrow in, in town hall, I give one ex major example of this injustice while they're mm -hmm. talking about this section, 18 USC section 2071, as uh, something they would use against Trump. First of all, that section does not even apply to the president of the United States. It's designed to apply to those who lodge documents in court or in Congress or in an agency. It's not designed to reach documents that are used by the president of the United States to uh, enable him to perform his function as president. 
in other words, in aid of executive functions of the president. It has no applicability there. But even if it did apply, uh, it, it's not a situation at all where you you have some destruction of a document that um, is, is protected under that uh, mm -hmm. act. But when it comes to documents that are protected, I mean, we had Nancy Pelosi standing in the well of the House of Representatives tearing up not once, not twice, not three times, but four times uh, the State of the Union address, the official yeah. copy that was lodged with the Congress. That. That was just and disgusting, that was yeah. a violation of this section. It was very clearly. Destruction and, of that. Pro yeah. And that should have resulted in her being prosecuted. She could have been incarcerated for three years for that offense, and she could have been prohibited from running for congressional office under this congressional statute. They didn't do anything. They didn't investigate. They didn't try to find out. Uh, you know, she also tore up the envelope the, the, the State of the Union address was in. Yeah. I mean, the, the point is, there's unequal justice here. And that's what people are angry about. The reason why there's such a profound reaction, the reason why the government, uh, the, the Biden administration miscalculated so grossly mm -hmm. is that they thought people would be upset with Trump. They thought by sending the FBI in, people would look at this and say, oh my goodness, Trump has committed some heinous crime. They're going in and taking documents from him because no. he's guilty of an offense. And the opposite reaction occurred. People understood right off the bat that this was a political move. It is timed so it's a political move. You've got the midterms coming up and you've got the president of the foreign president of the United States on the eve of likely his announcement to run again. They all know this. So they're using this to try to create a cloud over his head like they did with, with the Russiagate thing. Mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're also intoxicated by their own rhetoric from the January 6th hearings. No one else is intoxicated by that rhetoric. No one's watching the January 6th hearings. January 6th hearings didn't prove a, a doggone thing. Yeah. They did not prove, for example, that Trump had any role to play whatsoever in inciting a riot at the Capitol or in causing individuals to, to trespass or, or destroy property in the Capitol. There's not one shred of evidence linking Trump to that. <clears throat> All they have is Trump inviting people to, to Washington, D.C. to hear his speech and then speaking to people. And even during his speech, he was saying, be peaceful. And yet they they have created this, this uh, drama for television with false representations, including false representations that somehow he leapt from the back of of uh, the beast to the, 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 the presidential motorcade hmm. <clears throat> to the front to commandeer the steering wheel from a secret service agent and utter nonsense. And, and they, and they, and they knew it to be nonsense when they had that woman testify. Yeah. I mean, these people are reprehensible, Robert, and no, the Americans are sick of it. And so they're reacting strongly in favor of Trump. In fact, I think this is going to, uh, fortify the midterms such that the victory for Republicans is going to be uh, greater, I think, than, mm. it, than it otherwise would have been. Jonathan, let me share with you a concern I have based on what's going on right now. Um, the fomenting of, of, of violent uprising, right? They, they tried to get that to happen at January 6th. I'm talking about the Dems that took advantage of this. We talked about Pelosi and others that wouldn't do basic things to prevent it from happening. So, the utilization of this raid that has created such outrage in certainly the Republican population, but even many more that are going to, from from all sides going, this is just wrong. 
I can argue that the DOJ and the FBI are illegitimate organizations in how they are engaged in non or unconstitutional activities constantly. That's not new, but it's certainly ratcheted up to the general population to see how bad it is. Um, is this or could this be utilized again to now declare, oh, there's another January 6th happening. You hear the buzz on the street. The people that love Trump, they're getting very angry. They're saying we should abolish the FBI. That's a dangerous rhetoric. And now we're going to cancel the midterms or something along those lines. This is what I see them trying to take advantage of what we might perceive as a screw up. Could it be intentional to say, I know we're going to ratchet up anger and then we can use that. You, you see what I'm saying here? They will use any side of this in a Rahm Emanuel manner. Never let a crisis go to waste. So if the public becomes irate and there are demonstrations all over, they'll declare them to be riots and they'll say that the election process is at stake and that they need to clamp down and they will intimidate people. And you know, this is what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have, have chosen the route of lawlessness in pursuit of political control. They don't believe in fairness. They don't believe in equal justice under law. And they do believe in doing everything they possibly can to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president of the United States again. And they're invested in that. They don't care what the American people think. We know that from the way they've been governing. They couldn't care less about inflation. In fact, they applaud it because they think that if, if gas prices go high enough, for example, that people will actually buy electric cars and the new Green New Deal agenda will be uh, supported and promoted. They want to destroy the American economy. They want to destroy free enterprise. They want to destroy our That's republic. They want right. to destroy the constitution. They want to run this country as a socialist state, really as a communist state, where they rule without question. They want censorship. They don't mm -hmm. want open debate. No, so don't. the fact that we see this again and again and again and again in different permutations, different forms, should reassure us of the sad reality that our country is indeed under siege. It's not just Mar-a-Lago. Well, and it's it's not just it's not just under the Biden administration. I mean, this book, Jonathan, is again another fantastic book here. That if you're new to the show, the authoritarians, the book that Jonathan wrote. Uh, it's still so valid and important because the history that we were not taught about progressivism and the creeping movement toward collectivism, socialism, communism has been going on now for generations, over a century, well over a century. And, and so we look at the end result of a Biden administration and go, this didn't happen. This couldn't happen overnight. Now, as we look at the, for instance, the Communist Manifesto, one of the things Michael Badnarik made an argument about in Good to be King is that every plank of the Communist Manifesto is in effect in the United States already to varying degrees, some more obvious than others. And so we have accepted and tolerated, and I mean of the entire body politic, including the Republicans, have not pushed back against all of these socialist increments and realities. Uh, and, and, you know, the things that Ron Paul was saying about dismantling the Department of Education, the Department of Energy, all of these unconstitutional uh, oligarchies that were developing, including FDA and FTC and these things. Uh, maybe now we could get some traction again as people see the criminality, the rank criminality out of those, well, the executive branch primarily now taking control over all branches of government, putting all of it into one place, which you've written about and warned about as well. Uh, so looking at, ahead at these so-called midterms, the concern people genuinely have is could they 
make the claim that there's too much violence, so we have to curtail voting in person, and we're going to go back to the mail-in system that led to a Biden Pyrrhic victory. That wasn't real, in my opinion. I think they will do anything they can conceive of doing that they can get away with in order to prevent Donald Trump from being elected president again. I think that that's uh, really, for them, uh, unacceptable. They will not allow the American people's voice to be heard if the, that voice endorses Donald Trump. And I think what's happening, uh, we are witnessing today an attorney general who had his tail between his legs. He was caught blindsided by this whole thing. Uh, and that's further uh, proof that they really did not anticipate at all the extraordinary public reaction against the administration for doing this and against the attorney general for doing this. They didn't anticipate it. And so rather than uh, the, the day of and the day after the raid, having the attorney general get on television and explain to the American people why th this unprecedented raid on a prior president of the United States, never before has this happened, uh, occurred, he hid. He hid and so did the uh, Christopher Ray, the FBI director, so did the president. They all hid. They didn't want to answer for this because they were taken aback. They didn't mm -hmm. expect. They become intoxicated with their own rhetoric out of this January 6th hearing. They fail to understand that the American people does not American people do not share their propagandistic view of the facts. So today, under tremendous pressure to give some answer for what happened, the attorney general is speaking and we'll have to see what he has to say. However, I know, regardless of what he says, that there was ina an inadequate basis to proceed with an ex parte warrant and 24 roughly FBI agents all day long rummaging through his house. I mean, they, under the Fourth Amendment, you're required to identify the location and the specific items with particularity that you are going to seize that are, that are part of the alleged criminal action. Uh, and in this case, we know uh, that they rummaged through Melania Trump's dress collection. They went into various rooms where there were no documents and refused to allow counsel for the president to observe their actions. They prohibited every, in every instance when they began a search, counsel for the president of the United States, former president of the United States, to be present and to observe their actions. That itself is an illegality. And in addition to that, they didn't even give the warrant to uh, Christina Bob, one of the president's attorneys, when, it, when she requested it until much later. And then they didn't give the affidavit that supported it. They said that that was under seal. And apparently the attorney general is going to do something with regard to that. Uh, there is a motion pending by the Trump team to unseal that document. We need to see what they're alleging. The, the, we know that they're willing to allege falsely as they did before the FISA courts that documents or evidence exists and, and, and that it suggests criminality when in fact it didn't. Uh, and so I wouldn't put it past them to have done so here. However, regardless of what they argued to uh, Reinhardt, the uh, 
magistrate judge who issued this thing. He should have never issued it. And the reason is that there is there there's there are issues of executive privilege. There are issues related to the inherent power of the president under Article Two to mm -hmm. declare things classified and not. There was proof of cooperation between the government and the National Archives uh, and, and, and Records Administration. And there was no emergency. There was no necessity for immediate action. And finally, and most importantly, there just simply is not enough to suggest criminal activity. Uh, everything here is clouded with uh, a false uh, uh, aura of and criminality. Clear political motivation. Criminality yeah. at all here. Mm -hmm. So what we have is an illegal warrant that violates the Fourth Amendment, and we have an abuse of prosecutorial discretion. And this, and you, and you have to ask why? Why would the Attorney General of the United States go out on a limb like this? Why would these FBI agents go out on a limb? And the only answer that exists for that is bias. We know that this Attorney General is biased. We know from numerous actions by the attorney general that reveal his bias, his refusal, for example, to uh, designate a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden's activities, criminal activities that involve influence peddling by the vice president with the vice president's complicity. The joint bank accounts that were held by Bi Hunter Biden and Joe Biden in which money came from foreign government sources to them in payment for influence peddling that, that Biden then used to his own financial benefit. That violates the Constitution. That violates the Foreign Emoluments Clause. There's no, he has not appointed a special prosecutor to investigate anything of that kind. Mm -hmm. Hunter Biden also overtly violated the drug laws, of course. He was he he used drugs express explicitly in the in the laptop revelations we see that he actually was using drugs was buying drugs was and that involved. might be the least of his offenses in reality i mean this i mean there are many 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 offenses yeah i, I think that this is all before the fbi right. they have all of this material yet no independent no counsel has been set aside to prosecute no uh uh counsel has been set aside to investigate the president like they did with trump Hmm. Uh, even though there's direct evidence that he violated the foreign emoluments clause. So um, now Jonathan, you can go on and on and on yeah. with these. Things. Well, and now we're hearing, uh, uh, I, it's music to my ears, the rise of the 10th amendment, many States, AGs, and even governors are now going, we will nullify these federal activities in our state. We will not allow FBI agents to engage in illegal activities in our state. It's like, hallelujah. But it takes these events perhaps to wake people up to see how bad it it really is, even though you know it, I know it, we've been, you know, shouting it from the rooftops. But at a certain point, too, I realize that we don't want to see it either because it's just too horrific. But it's right there in front of our faces. Folks, uh, I want to take a moment to acknowledge, uh, you know, all of you that are joining us here on the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour of the Robert Scott Bell Show with my friend Jonathan E. Moore. Uh, he's known as the FDA Dragon Slayer and so much more. And also acknowledge uh, the uh, the loss of my good friend Michael Badnarik today, earlier today. Uh, if you can see in the notes, of course, here's Jonathan. We have second hour. I've got a, a new guest, uh, author Douglas uh, Sirignano. I met at the Red Pill Expo coming up. 
But Michael Badnarik, my dear friend, has passed from this place, and he's now defending liberty on the other side. And if he can communicate back to us, I'm sure he's helping us from there as well. He's a stalwart defender of liberty in his life, and he's lived quite a life. And uh, this is a picture in the show notes I'm showing right now from the Advanced Medicine Conference uh, Memorial Day weekend when we got together for the final time and had a, just a joyous weekend. Uh, you know, we got to spend a lot of great time together, uh, ride around in his gas-guzzling Dodge uh, Challenger, or whatever it was, his Charger. It was a Charger and with a throaty, it was great. And of course, uh, acknowledging that uh, freedom is not something we just cannot uh, expect to continue to have happen because there's a written constitution or even prior to that, a declaration of independence. Uh, so a bit sad today at the loss of my friend, but I know he's fine. And uh, may we find inspiration in, in, in Michael Badnarik's words and writings, as well as those of us still here to take up if we are just now engaged in taking up the defense of liberty or for those who are looking to do so. We welcome you here also with Jonathan E. Morton. And as you scroll through the website at robertscottbell.com, you'll see up at the top a bunch of different uh, tabs. One says upcoming events. If you click on that tab, you'll see we have Autism One coming up next week in Mesa, Arizona, outside of Phoenix, the 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st of August. And there are CME credits for doctors, physicians as well as uh, additional CEUs for other healthcare providers. And we have family members coming, doctors and scientists all coming together to talk about the issues of causation and remediation of this horrible thing called autism. And uh, that's coming up. We also have the 13th U.S. Health Freedom Congress. There's a lot of great things that are going to be occurring there in St. Paul, Minnesota, just out, just basically near the airport there, Minneapolis, St. Paul, September 23rd and 24th. I know Jonathan has been to these events as well, and they, they're putting a lot on, on uh, you know, let's say practical and pragmatic and spotlighting the successes that we've had at state levels uh, to push back on the federal government and or even state level initiatives to limit freedom of the people there. So please consider whether you're a voting or non-voting member, you're welcome and you will rub elbows with some of the stalwart leaders of the Health Freedom Movement, United States Health Freedom Congress. Click on that link. Uh, October 7th, 8th, and 9th, the Wellness Parenting Revolution, Health and Freedom Summit and Expo. Uh, many people will be there that you know, including Judy Mikovits. Uh, and uh, gosh, uh, look at just look at the images here, just uh, more than I can remember at this moment with all that's going through my head. That's be at the Hyatt Regency, Orlando, Florida, 7th through 9th of October. Then the big one where we do have a reunion with Jonathan E. Mord and many of our friends uh, from Trinity School of Natural Health, Julie Whitman Klein. The Health Freedom Expo is happening October 15th and 16th, far enough outside of Chicago that I'll even go. And Jonathan E. Mord will even go. And I hope that you'll check that out. Health Freedom Expo, TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com. If you have a product or a service that uh, the health freedom community would love, and even Jonathan E. Mord, he has a booth there, and people just love the things that Jonathan brings the books the beautiful uh, patriotic clothing and things. I don't know what Jonathan's bringing this time, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome, Jonathan. And uh, I definitely look forward to, to seeing what we can wear uh, in support of our message of health freedom and healing liberty coming up at the Health Freedom Expo. Yes, Robert, it'll be exciting as usual. And it's one of those things, Julie Whitman Klein has been an outstanding sponsor of these events and mm -hmm. They really add something that people can find nowhere else. It's some uh, unique combination of health information and advocacy of liberty. Mm -hmm. So people who are health conscious and who love liberty really ought to be there. I, I think of the people we've met along the way, Jonathan. And again, I'm obviously in a, in a place right now thinking about that. 
Uh, remember Clinton Miller. I mean, this is a guy that for decades before us was doing things that he saw what was, what was happening that hardly anybody knew in terms of the threats to health freedom in America. And, you know, the opportunity to come together, the, you know, I've been, times have been fleeting recently. And, and I say, I don't know how long this lasts, that we can keep doing it. And I want to keep doing it and, because you never know who you're going to meet and you'll be able to tell your kids. I remember when I met and just fill in the blanks and then you're carrying on this tradition of people that really believe wholeheartedly in the vision of the founders uh, and, and everything that extends from it. And of course we hyphenate freedom, not because we want to, but we recognize there are attacks on certain aspects of freedom, whether it be freedom of speech, speech, freedom, or health freedom, the freedom to choose the kind of medicine we want or don't want, the injections we want or don't want, the uh, ability to choose the kind of treatment we want or don't want for something like cancer or other things. And these things have long been lost in America. You've fought in many ways to help regain some of those with the right to, uh, to treatment. And, and even now we're talking about the right to refuse. I know Diane Miller has been helping a number of states out to establish just the freedom to say, no, I don't want the COVID jab, for instance, it's a shocking revelation. Our founders would look out and go, what, what have you done? Why did you abandon liberty to this degree? So, Robert, we're on the eve of passage of a bill that will add 87,000 new IRA and IRS, IRS on enforcement doing audits that will now include people in the middle class uh, and to a greater extent than ever before. Can you imagine they have they will have they already have more people in uh the irs than are in the united states army yeah. and then when you have when you add to it eighty-seven thousand additional people they will be doubling the enforcement force that the irs has and they're not going after the so-called uber wealthy and they're giving 80 billion dollars to the irs in order to achieve the objective of squeezing every last possible cent out of the american public to give to this monstrous government creation, including the DOJ and all of these agencies and they're, and they're adding a 15%. We, we need to build manufacturing in this country. We ha already have enough United States manufacturers in China to enable the Chinese to enjoy the fruits of that labor for ever. But we have to bring them back rather than bring them back. Biden's bill, this, this quote, Inflation Reduction Act. It's an oxymoron. It'll actually increase inflation because federal spending necessarily increases inflation. I mean, they don't even understand basic economics here. But the point is that that they are going to put a 15% tax on manufacturing firms, a billion or more uh, in overall revenue. Now, those manufacturing firms are going to pass that on as increased costs. And you're going to see this increase every aspect of the cost of goods and services but it's also gonna result in a reduction of 30,000 people's jobs. You're gonna see 30,000 people lose private sector jobs because of this. But don't worry, Biden is using billions and billions out of the $744 billion monstrosity mm -hmm. to pay for expansion of Green New Deal and to, and to push their, their entire left-wing agenda down the throats of the American people. No one wants this, no one asked for this, this is part of their agenda. Their destructive the agenda. Are yeah. against it. If if you ask if, if in polling, the American people are against this. They don't want this. How bill. did they? How did they pass this in the Senate? They they passed it in the Senate because of Mansion. Mansion caved in. And and what's so strange about that? This bill is going to really hurt West Virginia. This is going to hurt. 
the coal mining industry. It advances the Green New Deal. It's going to hurt uh, the fossil fuel industry nationwide. It's going to increase the cost of fuel. They're adding a tax right through this bill on uh, fuel. Rather than eliminate uh, the gas tax, yeah. they're adding new taxes. They, wa they want to bankrupt the average American and, of yeah. course, the end, end up bankrupting the entire nation. And, of course, that would lead us right for takeover by globalists. This, this part is of the sure agenda, so. transformational change. He's grinning from ear to ear. They're going to achieve this. This is Build Back Better Mini, but Build Back Better Mini is still $788 billion pumped How? into the economy. This thing, this thing. The inflationary effect, look what we've already spent. We spent $1.9 trillion on the uh, uh, COVID bill, mm -hmm. the so-called American Rescue Plan, which is also a bunch of socialist nonsense. Then we spent another $1.2 trillion on the infrastructure bill, of which only a fraction of that is actually going for roads and bridges. All the rest is socialist nonsense. And now we're adding to that three trillion, over three trillion dollars in direct spending, mm -hmm. another four hundred or seven hundred and eighty-eight. Jonathan, bill. yeah. If if Congress, the Senate will not stop this, then the people have to, and the states have to. Right. I mean, how how long can you keep using Federal Reserve note dollars as they're devalued by inflation, to the point where people realize I can't save in it? Certainly but I can hardly rely on my ability to spend on the stuff tomorrow that I have it for, you know, right today. And, you know, Biden is saying, Oh, we've mission accomplished on inflation. It's like, you've only just begun. And, and, you know, the idea that, well, it's slowed incrementally in terms of the inflation yeah. rate is not well, a success. Had, really. I'll tell you what, what happened on that one it has mm -hmm. absolutely nothing to do with Biden. So people were looking at the cost of gas and saying, I can't afford to go on vacation this year. I'm not going to go take my car down the road, let alone go on vacation. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge reduction in demand for gas nationwide because the prices mm -hmm. went so high. And that then resulted in a lowering of gas prices only slightly. I mean, we've got uh, almost $4 a gallon uh, or $4 a gallon uh, on average nationwide. But when it comes and that will go back up as soon as people start increasing their spending again with kids going to school and yeah. all that. It's going to be a lot more gas uh, being being purchased and the price will go back up again. But also, if you exclude gas prices from the cost uh, between June and July, it's only one month they're doing a comparison with. It's not zero inflation, as Biden said. It's actually an increase of a half a percent of inflation. So inflation continues on in the price of goods and services. And we have every reason to believe every single major corporate entity in this country that has consumer goods that they make is increasing the price of those goods based on increased costs coming mm -hmm. in. So those prices are going to be coming and they're going to be reflected in higher consumer prices through the rest of the summer and into the winter. We are drowning in inflation and it ain't going away. And Biden is, is an absolute fool because yeah. he's trying to trick people into thinking that what they see, the sticker shock they see is not real. That's not, it's not his problem. He didn't right. do this. Well, he did do this. So what do we do now that the Senate and likely the House is going to rubber stamp this and Biden will sign it, uh, uh, the next layer of economic disaster, which you predicted, you know, when Biden became president. And, and, and yet, uh, is there a salvaging of this? I mean, if indeed 
the uh, the tides turn and there's actually an election that's fair and free and, and accurately counted that we have a, a wholesale turnover of uh, control of the Senate and the House and well, not the presidency, apparently. Um, if everybody gets out there and votes for a Republican, and I mean just go straight with a party ticket Republican, you will see a change that is substantial in the composition of the House and Senate. When you see that, you will see efforts to repeal these spending bills to open up the spigots on oil and gas so that we can have domestic oil and gas independence again and lower the cost of fuel and a whole series of things that would be to undertaken to protect our nation's interests and to expand free market activity, deregulatory actions along the way. Those things would be introduced and you can assure yourself that by and, and probably passed with a majority both yeah, will it be veto proof though? You know, you can be sure that Biden will veto those things. So what does that mean? That means that the public has to be behind these measures and be fully backing it and loud in their complaints against uh, the alternative so that Biden can be forced into relenting, at least on some of it. And in yeah. any event, it'll be they'll they'll put the brakes on any legislative action by Biden. That's critical. <laughs> This would be a, a prayer answered in a sense, but, you know, I have to feel the sense of disappointment over previous times. The Republicans have taken the House and the Senate and they've toe tapped at best. And I I hope and well, pray we that, again, we've got a new crop of Republicans that will actually go beyond that. We need a different president, of course. Yeah. And we need someone who's going to sign these bills. Here's the thing. If we go, if, if in 2024, we change the composition of Congress and, you know, 2022, we change the composition of Congress, 2024, we get a Republican in, in, uh, in the White House, then the combined force of the two will enable us to repeal all of these spending bills. The money that is going out over those years from 2024 forward is huge. Mm -hmm. So repealing these bills will have a anti-inflationary effect. It will help re reduce inflation. Then when you combine that with unleashing oil and gas, domestic oil and gas production and eliminating regulations that are harming startups and repealing that 15% minimum tax they have planned and actually lowering uh, the corporate tax and lowering the personal income tax and eliminating the capital gains tax, doing those things aggressively like that would cause an economic boom and you would see inflation eliminated by and large and you would see uh, the american people's standard of living rising again instead right now what we're seeing mm -hmm. everybody in the united states on average the average person typical person is losing over three thousand eight hundred dollars in their income every year the the it, it, even a cost of living increase equal to uh, inflation is offset by the amount of money the typical family is having to pour out in gas and grocery expenses. We are going to see people in this country starving. Mm -hmm. We may be by 2024, we may see upwards of 10 to 15% of the American population unable to afford food. Yeah. I, I, gosh, I'm almost speechless. I just hope, I don't know if there's a point of no return here. Uh, and yet, um, there's a genuine, trepidation even though the inclination is to do as you say just put republicans in but the history of this is such that there are people that are going am i going to be fooled again by the i know well, there are here's the deal mm -hmm. unlike prior years mm -hmm. 
a lot of these candidates who are running now are are really citizen candidates in the That's sense true there has been change there yeah we're talking about people running for office for the first time who are coming out of the population of people who are sick and tired of getting ripped off by the federal government lied to and having your rights violated by it. Am, yeah. so they're going to go in with that mindset and i i really think that unlike the tea party movement which was great but didn't bring us people who brought about the necessary changes mm -hmm. this go around people have had it yeah. and i think that's reflected by the people who are running for a lot of these offices you look at the campaigns across the united states and people are absolute the people are challenging incumbents and they are they are indeed and in some cases i've seen worked up and they're ready to make yeah. uh, make make changes and in the more local you get, the more impact I've seen as far as changes in candidates. There's still party uh, politics that are engaged in the machinery. I've had good friends running for higher state offices going into you know, the federal level. And um, still the party politics are vicious. If you're not one of them, you're, you're not even allowed in. Uh, so we still got a ways to go. But I agree at this point, uh, the disaster that is uh, the Democrat control of, of uh, both houses and the presidency. Of course, Pelosi's gunning for... I think, and I don't know if that's a good use of terms, but the presidency herself, she went to Taiwan, as we talked about, to look tough. In the meantime, it's more and more obvious that Biden is not present, even when he's present. And uh, Kamala is a disaster. And so what do we got if, if Pelosi finds her way climbing up the ladder? She believes China is one of the freest countries in the world. Did you see her proclamation yeah. or claim of that? She's uh, deluded. She also thinks that it's appropriate to talk about her childhood when she says that she has a connection with China because as a girl, she thought that she might be able when she was at the beach uh, to dig to China. Um, and, you know, this is she's weird, too. She's a doddering old fool, just like Biden is. These people are not uh, mentally with it. And if you substitute a Pelosi for a Biden, you're just getting more of the same. In fact, uh, long ago, Nancy sold her soul to the socialists, just as Biden did to become president. And uh, the leftist agenda that they are offering is really one the American people have found, uh, fortunately, to be a bad idea. And it is indeed a bad idea. Uh, we always get back to that Margaret Thatcher line. The problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. Mm -hmm. The problem with government, as Jefferson explained, is that government is inherently parasitic and it lives off of the productive. If you raise the uh, specter of an ever larger government, what you're really doing is diminishing the prospect of an ever flourishing economy such that those who are productive become less and less productive because everything they're, get, they're earning is going back over to the state. The, the ultimate uh, result of that is for this parasite of government to draw all the blood out of its host and have that host collapse. And that's mm -hmm. what we see socialism do all around the world. That's why mm -hmm. the socialist economies always fail. That's why this whole movement that Biden is pushing is based on a destruction of the free market because you're talking about one way or another, either through taxation or through regulation, a parasitic draw away from the private sector and freedom mm -hmm. in favor of the government and government fiat. And the overall effect of that is ruinous mm -hmm. 
because we all suffer. We turn into slaves of the state. We live like paupers and we end up having no incentive to do anything because anything we do that's productive, that raises a penny, the government's there to snatch it away from us. Well, that's not how to live. That is a, that is a life under tyranny. That was our, what our founding fathers rebelled against. Mm -hmm. They created the greatest constitution of liberty in the history of the world. We ought to get back to that. And if we do, and I think that there are many people willing to stand up and fight for that result, we can be prosperous. We can always be prosperous if we just trust in freedom. Yeah. Well, whatever ails us, the answer is freedom. And it's uh, it's something that uh, is a message that permeates every every show I do. And of course, every time you're with me, Jonathan, and uh, the memory that I have of my friend Michael Badnarik will always bring to light, as he called it, the sacred fire of liberty. We talk about that here as well. Uh, and he, he described rekindling the fires of liberty one heart at a time. And by going out and being a living example for it, by speaking about it, teaching about it, showing your genuine passion and enthusiasm for it, we can uh, regain that which we have lost. But it's not going to happen by, uh, well, I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a prayerful guy, Jonathan, but I think prayer is also has to be accompanied by action, right? Deeds. Yeah. Uh, and of action yeah so i thank you so much for being with me each and every week you can you're looking great you've got you probably got some kind of court meeting coming up after the show here yeah i do all right well i know you're going to be rocking it for freedom everywhere you go i can't wait to see you at the health freedom expo and and many of our friends who will be with us at the uh, 13th uh, health freedom congress as well that's in minneapolis before the chicago event later in october and uh, all those upcoming events are there. You can sign up for uh, email alerts simply or newsletter uh, by texting RSB to 22828. Jonathan, you did great, thankfully. Uh, and I knew you would, but I'm holding it together barely. Super Don's on a, a trip with his wife and, and, and family to see family. And uh, he left me with some things and I was panicking before the show. You didn't see me. I was like, where is this? You said there were video. Where is it? I, oh, it's right there. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I remember you showed me yesterday. But I'm barely there, barely here. But uh, you made it. All is well, Robert. Yeah. And all is well for Michael Bednarik yeah. well, because uh, the long term, the the celestial kingdom is a great place to end up. Yeah. Well, I and mean, again, when you can get there and say, I did everything within my power to restore freedom to an area that, that was rapidly losing it and had lost a lot of it. I think you're going to be just fine. And I believe that, too. He fought the good fight and now he's returned home. Yeah. All right, Jonathan Emore, my friend, I can't wait to see you soon. And uh, thank you for helping me uh, do what we do here each and every week with the sacred fire of Liberty hour, the Robert Scott Bell show. You bet Robert. Take All care. Right. my friend. Take care. Take care. All right. Well, there's a lot to think about a lot to consider. And you know, there's a lot of folks that are uh, checking out. You know, I've said this over the many years that there are, th there are things and times that are coming that are very, uh, challenging, trepidatious, even whatever words you want to use. And not everybody wants to stick around for that, but some of you are wired for it and you are born for a time such as this or times such as these. And, uh, yet people come and people go, what can we learn from them while they're here? And I, and I say that, and I ask that question sincerely about thinking about the people, you know, that have walked on this planet longer than you find out some semblance of wisdom that they have acquired over the many decades, perhaps, or longer that they've been here on this planet. 
and uh, begin to apply it or, you know, look at the wisdom of the ancients, whether you go into the ancient spiritual teachings that exist or uh, just uh, 200 plus years back into the founders and all that they had written about. And then realize that every time freedom breaks out on the planet, there are those that want to diminish it, destroy it, erase it from history. Every time they try to squash freedom out of the people where it resides. Why? Because God put it there. It's the essence of our very being and creation, a love of freedom. And that means choice or agency beyond life itself, which I'm so grateful for is the choice that I've been given the many choices that and opportunities I have been given for spiritual growth. Now, some will say economic growth, political growth, any number of things, but our adventure here is quite varied and you are drawn to things that might be different than me, or we might be aligned in a lot of ways because you're here tuning into the Robert Scott Bell show, partly a little bit here and there or regularly. Uh, and I, and I hope and pray that we can resonate something that excites you about this lifetime and the opportunities we have in this lifetime, despite the things we cover that may not seem so nice. So wonderful. When we come back from this uh, brief uh, pause, I'll also talk a little bit more about some of my memories of Michael Badnarik. And then we have uh, a first time guest to the program. I met him at the uh, red pill expo and, uh, his name, uh, Douglas, and I got to pr pronounce this right, Sirignano. I think I got it right. I'll ask him. I'm pretty sure. Um, forward to his book on American con conspiracies and cover-ups by Jim Mars and others. Pretty, pretty profound, pretty uh, good uh, uh, plugs for that book. And we'll talk a little bit about the history of America and more and some of the hidden histories that we, we have to confront and address if we're going to move forward. Not, not being duped again. Don't get fooled again. Remember that? Also, real quick, I want to say thanks to our friends at Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. If you haven't seen them, you can go to your local Ace Hardware store. Instead of spraying toxic poisons that can kill you and your kids and your pets, you can use something God created, oranges and citrus. And from those peels, you distillate out the delimini, safe for utilization to kill those little pesky buggers without killing you and your loved ones, ants and stuff, right? And I use it even in my, uh, my garden. Certified, OMRI certified, listed uh, for organic agriculture as well. So again, thank you to Orange Guard. Thank you to my friends at uh, the Produce, the IGF-1. Help my muscles to get bigger. <laughs> Love that. And uh, feeling fit. All right. Solemn day in the loss of Michael Badnarik, but we're going to continue to celebrate life and the pursuit of what? Happiness, that is freedom, and digging into history like we didn't learn when we were in grade school and high school and even university level training. And that's where we'll go next with Douglas Sirignano right here on the Robert Scott Bell show, where I remind you that the power to heal is yours. Robert Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right. This hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show, we'll be talking about a book that I first encountered at the Red Pill Expo recently called American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups. Uh, very comprehensive view. It you know reminds me a bit of uh, what Liam Sheff has done and, and Ty Bollinger has done in writing about this. And there's never enough. You talk about all the way back from Pearl Harbor, rigged elections, the Fed suppressed cancer cures, 9-11, JFK, etc. 
And uh, this is Douglas Sirignano. He's going to join me in just a moment. I just want to, you know, a few more words with the the passing of of my uh, dear friend, Michael Badnarik, his book, which I hope that everybody has gotten. If not, it's still available as far as I know. Good to be King, the foundation of our constitutional freedom. And the chapter on uh, rights and privileges, the difference between them uh, is available for free download. And I have both of those things linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. If you haven't figured out how to get the newsletter updates, it's as simple as uh, texting uh, RSB, my initials, to 22828. RSB to 22828, and uh, that'll that'll get you there. Uh, that simple. So let me see what else I got to talk about here. So open. Yeah, I was just you know reminiscing and reflecting on so many memories, so many wonderful memories with Michael Badnarik. Uh, back in Florida, he came and visited us and ho- hosted a Constitution class many years ago. And we had some of our dearest friends uh, come down and visit. I think Coast Guard Corey was there. Uh, Roseanne Lindsay, who plays intricately in the in the in in the, the survival, the life that uh, Michael Bednarik has led for a number of years now, uh, because after Michael was uh, at a, a talk on the steps of the Capitol in Wisconsin in Madison. He had, I believe, what's considered to be like the widowmaker equivalent of a heart attack. And ever since then, it's been a challenge. He's had a, you know, a life challenge to even be here. And I, I, I referenced Michael Bednarik like being a cat on his 11th life. How is he still even alive, right? And so we talked frequently. I got to see him. It was a wonderful weekend in San Antonio. And thank you to Dr. Rasha Bittar for inviting Michael for one final talk to the public. And that will be you know, one for the record books, too on Liberty at the advanced medicine conference. And I got to make sure that we get that lecture and make it available for everybody. Somehow I'll be talking with uh, Rashid about that. Uh, but we had just an absolutely wonderful time together. And, you know, I'm just fighting back the tears, honestly thinking about it because they're joyous, joyful memories. And I know he's fine. It's just that we are the, we are saddened by the loss of a loved one or a friend. And that that's part of life as well. And life continues. Um, I remember when we, we're at the event afterwards. Uh, we went out, uh, out shooting, uh, which he, he loved to teach people how to be better at aiming and, and nailing the targets. And I remember at a, a nullify the nullify now tour with the 10th amendment center and, and another Michael Bolden and Sarah Beth and others, we all got together and this was in Texas. I think it was in Dallas. And we, we all went out shooting to a range and you know, he was so happy. Like, Sarah had like had a grouping that got narrower and narrower. Like when you group and you're hitting in the target every time. And, and of course, uh, uh, he loved, he loved the, the outcome, the, the response. And you could see it visually when you actually paid attention and did that. Uh, so he was quite a marksman as well. And he would take people out and help them there. And, uh, he really, he, he really loved my son as well. Uh, Elijah with, uh, Elijah's just appreciation. And, and, and love of Michael's love of liberty and also firearms in defense of that liberty. And, uh, you know, you'd see him light up as we talked about my son. And uh, Michael was annoyed because it seemed like he had more firearms than even he had now over time. Uh, you know, we, we joke about things like that as well. Uh, but there are many more adventures to be had, whether here or in the next life. And um, just find that time to be grateful and joyful and find time to enjoy life with those that you love and care about and appreciate and, and want to learn from. And you might be able to teach those you want to learn from as well. Bring that integrity, that passion for life or whatever it is you're here to do uh, as well. Uh, so again, 
condolences to the family and friends of Michael Bednarik, uh, passed from this place uh, this morning, August 11th, 2022. Um, with that, again, if you have stories to share, those of you who have known him, uh, anything you want to share, please let us know. Call up the toll-free number, leave a message, 866-939-2355, or just send a message in. Super Don is on the road with his family today, uh, having a great adventure as well. Uh, and that's why I'm here on my own, and uh, so far, so good. And uh, with that, uh, I want to bring uh, first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We met first and foremost at the Red Pill Expo uh, recently, and that was in, what city were we in, Douglas? Indianapolis. In Indianapolis. I can't even remember anymore. I and uh, you had a booth there, and you have this book, which was very chock full of things. And I thought, wow, it's never enough time to cover all the, su the subjects that you covered in this book. Douglas Sirignano, American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups. And we have that link in the show notes today at robertscabbell.com as well. And uh, I was fascinated to learn, Doug, that your history was one of history. I, and I, I remember going up through grade school, public school systems that I hated history. I absolutely hated it. It was like all I was being taught was a series of events and dates. Just remember that this happened at this day and nothing was connected to anything. It was horrible. I'm like, and then after I graduated all the way through university level, I started reading books about the history that I never learned, including the history of medicine in America and many other things. And I thought, my gosh, this is an exciting story woven through the fabric of time and that l these, these amazing events are linked to other events. And if we don't link them, then we're doomed to repeat the stupid mistakes that have been made throughout history. So yeah, yeah. my question of your diving into history and all the way through academia and getting degrees in history, how did you journey to get to the point where history is awesome? Yeah, I, I graduated with a degree in history, but I don't think anything in my book is uh, I learned in college, you know, because <laughs> I think the uh, most of the universities, they're probably funded by foundations that are trying to hide hide the truth from us, really. So I, I, I'm like you. I got out and I read, you know, alternative history books and whatnot. And I uh, you really can connect the dots, you know, about how the secret societies um, manipulating things from behind the scenes. Uh, but like you say, you, you don't learn that in uh, traditional academia, you know? Mm -hmm. So in this book, American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups, and, and we have it linked up directly, you can get it. There's Kindle editions, audiobook apparently. Uh, no, maybe not. Is there an audible audiobook version yeah. yet? Yes, yes, there, there is. is. Oh, yeah. wow. And there's the hardcover book, which I have. You were so gracious to get me uh, when we were together at the Red Pill Expo. And, uh, you know, the history that was hidden mm -hmm. from us much of our life you've tried to bring out through this book. And yeah. I guess, you know, in, in writing about the history that you and I both then were never taught growing up all the way through university level, what is it that opened your eyes to say, man, we were lied to about almost everything in history? Well, you know, I probably uh, knew about this way back in like 1979. I started getting some underground newspapers, alternative newspapers that woke me up. Uh, one was the publication of the John Burt Society. They know a lot. They have a lot of truths that, that you don't learn in traditional uh, education. I also, I got this newsletter from the psychic who was talking about how secret societies control things. And I learned about it from there, but I didn't believe it just because the psychic said, you know, yeah. I investigated uh, and you could find books uh, to support all this information, you know, and basically secret societies are behind the scene manipulating things. And uh, the basic story is they want to take away our freedoms and get us to big brother, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of 
solid evidence for that. And uh, you probably won't learn about it in traditional education. No, absolutely not. And, and you know, it's funny um, when I met you and, and I looked at your book, I'm like, who published this? There's no way. The only place that would ever publish something like this is like Skyhorse. And I didn't know. I hadn't even opened your book. And you told me what? I told yeah, I got published by Skyhorse. I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Actually, a, a, a publishing house that still believes in full freedom of speech, freedom of, of engaging in, in, in challenging the establishment and, and even uh, sacred beliefs, so to speak, about you know, we go to history in this case. And, you know, among you the know, various cover-ups from Pearl Harbor on forward to 9-11 and a lot of things in between, was there any particular uh, subject or chapter that ha was most intriguing to you as you began to investigate it for this book? Uh, I don't know. I'm sort of intrigued by the banking uh, conspiracy, and that's what G. Edward Griffin is all about. He's the guy who uh, organized Red Pill Expo, you know. Creature uh, from Jekyll Island, of course, opened it wide, the conspiracy of the Federal Reserve. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, for centuries, I think, international bankers, they want to set up a central bank and lend government's money. And it's going to be a bad system that is going to create too much uh, debt and too much inflation because they uh, they uh, release too much money and that causes inflation. And so uh, if we could get rid of that central banking system, there have been times when governments have issued its own money in proper proportion. So you got no debt, no inflation. And I think if you have a happy economy... You can have a happy society, you know. It's important. So to me, that's one of the most intriguing uh, conspiracy theories. It's uh, it's the banks. They want to uh, charge us interest on uh, uh, creating money out of nothing. It's a scam. It's not good for us. And uh, we should get rid of the Federal Reserve and the rest of the privately owned central banks, you know. Well, and the thing is, you said theory, but it's nothing theoretical about the conspiracy of the bankers. The international banksters have been at it for centuries. Yeah. And, and of course, it manifested in the United States, uh, even though our founders, many of them, besides Hamilton, warned against a central bank and said we, sh we should not have that ever. And, of course, in the, you know, the, the dark of night around, I think, Christmas time and no one yeah. was there to vote. And then the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 comes out and sets the stage for the disaster that we're seeing, the destruction of the monetary system, the dollar that used yeah. to be denominated in gold and silver very specifically going back to the coinage act of 1792, yeah. et cetera. And the abandonment of that me meant that, uh, you know, men who would conspire to do evil things would debase the currency itself and print up money to, to, to do things that would be nefarious in reality because the people wouldn't have a say in it yeah. and then be laid on burdened on by the debt that was created artificially. And so, yeah, yeah. so we're seeing that accelerate greatly under the Biden administration, even though he didn't start it. The founding fathers really knew it was a bad system. They didn't want a central bank. You know, they were dead set against it. I think Thomas Jefferson, he made some real strong statements against it. I was hoping, you know, I had a feeling that Trump understood the, the whole conspiracy and how the Federal Reserve is bad. He was always criticizing the Federal Reserve. I don't know, maybe if Trump had his way, he would eventually try to do something to get rid of it, you know? I, I wonder that, too. I know that he benefited greatly by fractional reserve banking, as many billionaires have. Uh, and, and I'm not against people that, that, that are successful and, and get wealth. But the way that it's done in this system is uh, is not it's not a system built on integrity and just weights and measures. If we go back to biblical perspectives. So yeah. for me, that's why I've always had an aversion 
to immersing myself in it. And when I discovered these things, I said, how can I extricate myself from that, you know, being under it and being trapped by it, being subjugated to it or indebted to it. And I think many people are now waking up to the things G. Edward Griffin wrote about in The Creature from Jekyll Island and, yeah. and are trying to figure this out faster than ever because of the destruction of the dollar is accelerating more than any other time since the uh, hyper, well, say semi-hyperinflation of uh, the Carter years yeah, uh, yeah. before it transitioned to Reagan. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought maybe people were trying to do something with the uh, Bitcoin. Maybe Bitcoin was going to give us some freedom back. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. The only way to beat it, I think, is to get a president in there who understands we should get rid of the Federal Reserve. Maybe that's the only way to do it, you know? And, well, if we, if we look at a centralized, uh, let's say, response, Perhaps there's a, there's arguably, yeah, if their president was in there, they understood it could do something. But at the same time, do we wait for that to happen? Or do we say, you know what, I'm going to uncouple from it and find a different way to go about economically on this planet and not be subject to what I feel like is a beastly number that uh, you can't engage in economic uh, intercourse, for lack of a better way to say it, uh, without, as they're trying to digitize IDs and everything. And if you're not getting the latest, greatest jab and you're not up to date on it, then suddenly you find yourself in, in unable to access the money you thought was yours in the bank. Oh, so I yeah. think as people wake up, they're not going to wait for a president to, to do something about it. They're going to go, I'm not participating in this anymore. This is the number of the beast they were talking about in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I hear up in New, uh, New Hampshire, they're trying to make, you know, hear about the free state movement up there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, they, they, they seem like they're trying to break away from it. I mean, Maybe that's what you got to do, maybe state by state, you know, because there's thousands of people moving to New Hampshire and they're trying to break away from the uh, the deep state. And uh, I hope they do it. God bless. Them. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, the, the state and local activity in action, nullifying the federal activity or even the globalist activity taking over the federal government is the way it's going to happen. You can't fight them on their turf. You simply stop participating. You stop funding them. You stop feeding them. Just as I've talked about from a healthcare perspective, if you think you can poison the body, a cancerous body, back to health, uh, you're doing something that is only contributing to more cancer ultimately. And yeah. so the idea is starving that which is feeding off of you rather than feeding it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did an interview about cancer in my book. I interviewed a guy, Dr. Ralph Moss. He's one of the leading uh, authorities on uh, alternative treatments for cancer. Mm-hmm. So that, there's so many times when uh, naturopathic doctor, he had a good treatment for cancer. And the FDA comes in and shuts him down, treats him like a criminal. And uh, it's obvious that, you know, uh, it's a corrupt system uh, that's um, that's controlled by a conspiracy. I looked at, did you ever hear the Euromed Foundation? It's a clinic in Arizona and they use, uh, they use low doses of chemotherapy, but then they also use, uh, you know, laetrile and vitamin C and natural treatments. And there's so many testimonies on there of people who got cured of cancer, people mm-hmm. who had cancer all over their body. They were told, you know, you got six weeks to live. I think one oncologist told a guy, you know, you got six minutes to live or something. And uh, that's what they do, you know. But uh, you check your med foundation. I know mm-hmm. your website is big on healing. And it's an amazing how many people give a testimony there that they got cured of cancer through uh, natural, naturopathic, uh, non-toxic ways. Well, and, and indeed, even utilizing less... Uh, toxic doses of toxic things like micro dosing or low dose as you describe it uh, arguably there's been success for those things in conjunction with integrating more natural holistic therapies whether you need any toxic poisons for it or not 
is debatable and discussable, and we would do that here. But I would, as a, a, a someone who defends freedom, I would not stop somebody that wants to engage in any form of treatment they feel is right for them. I just don't want it be to be done in deception, fraud, or coercion, which is how the system is set up, the medical monopoly that exists today. And that's part of, you know, it's, you talk about conspiracies. How about the Flexner Report of 1910? Rockefeller and Carnegie, you know, funding the medical schools, the curriculum that was following only the, the emerging field of petrochemical patent medicine to create a monopoly and eliminate all other competition, homeopathy, naturopathy, et cetera. Yeah, I talked about that with Dr. Ralph Moss. And, mm-hmm. you know, chemotherapy itself, uh, what we're dealing with, the, the Rockefellers, they became, have so much to do with the medical establishment. They became partners with IG Farben, I'm sure you know, which was the, the yeah. corporation that funded the Nazis. This is who Rockefeller was partners with. And that corporation created the chemotherapy. And it is much like the mustard gas that they used on the Jews to kill the Jews. That, mm-hmm. That's where that's where it's coming from, you know? And then yeah. uh, IG Farben broke into like uh, Bayer and uh, Hoffman LaRouche. Yeah, so, I, I call, problems. Doug, I call the, the modern pharmaceutical industry the demon spawn of IG Farben of Nazi Germany, honestly. That's what they yeah. broke it up and then they continued on the same tradition of poison for profit. And, uh, you know, yeah. we're we're uh, we're bringing the light, and you are too with your book. When did it get published? Is it, it's pretty recent, isn't About two it? Two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah, so, selling pretty good on Amazon. Nice. And, uh, I got a lot of five star reviews. So. <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, Jim Mars gives it, you know, two thumbs up, so to speak. Ed Griffin is uh, also interviewed here, and uh, again, this is a, an important part mm-hmm. of the history that we were not taught. And I want more and more of these books to come out to become part of our culture to recognize, yes, we have been lied to. And sometimes it's a sin of omission. They simply erase certain aspects of history like they never existed. And they don't even have to lie about it. They go, it doesn't exist. So nobody knows it's there. Much like growing up in a Western style medical family like I did in America, I'd never heard the word homeopathy until I was 24 years of age. It's like, how do you erase an entire medical system? from history and they did it in america yeah yeah and so probably through the flexner report right well it certainly helped but there were even things happening long before that uh so as we continue our discussion here uh with doug and uh did i say it right sirignano yeah you got it pretty good that's good all right and it sounds italian to me yeah, yes uh, definitely <laughs> you italians can't be controlled or contained writing books about conspiracies yeah really i mean you know italians uh Pretty tough-minded. <laughs> yes, American conspiracies and cover-ups. Again, links are up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com, and you can go to American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups.com, and it's yes. linked in. And I'll just show you that page real quick here. Let me put it up on the screen for everybody, and yeah. we'll go full screen there. And it's, again, linked up, and you can read about the book. You can get the book through, all. I guess, all the booksellers' uh Thankfully, uh, it was actually published by the, the the good publisher, the one that I like, and that's Skyhorse. And uh, I, again, I appreciate you uh, being on board today. Any other particular historical things that were so clearly missed by so many that you uncovered, or at least in your research, said, "Man, they're still not getting this one." Uh, you know, I guess one that really relates to what's going on now is uh, concerning vaccines. And there's good evidence, I did an interview with this guy, that in all likelihood, the AIDS virus, the AIDS epidemic, came from bad vaccines. And it was probably another attempt by the deep state for genocide, you know? 
because uh, we in the truth community we believe that the deep state wants to depopulate the world and get the big brother and you know some people might think that's crazy conspiracy theory but there's a lot of evidence for it and uh <clears throat> there was a a smallpox vaccine given out to 100 million africans in 1979 by the who the world health organization right after that aids broke out there and then in 1979 uh the cdc public health service they gave out a hepatitis b vaccine to gay men in american cities right after that aids broke out there so th there's good evidence that they were, they were probably trying to kill us off back then anthony fauci back then was the guy in charge of uh doing you know giving out the medicine for aids and he gave out that medicine that was dangerous and he's a guy in charge now with COVID-19. So, you know, I don't think it's irrational to think that the deep state wants to depopulate the world. You know, Jim Mars wrote a, a book about that called Population Control. Yeah. All the evidence that the elites, they make statements that we need less of a population. And then if you see the corporations they own, they put lousy things in food, in drink. They put lousy things in uh, vaccines. So it's not crazy to think that the deep state is trying to depopulate the world. You know, it's not a crazy conspiracy theory. No, I, I think it's uh, very rational at this point when you see all the evidence. And, you know, you've brought some of that out in your book as well. And I don't know if you've read this yet, but I will highly recommend this to you, Douglas. My dear departed friend, Liam Sheff, wrote official stories. And it goes through chapter by chapter many of these uh, discussion points that we made. And I think you'll find most illuminating uh, chapter six called HIV, the Scarlet Letter. And it, it talks about a lot of the mystery surrounding, quote unquote, AIDS, what it is, what it isn't. And the reality is the immune destruction precedes what they call so-called HIV and that HIV isn't really the cause of AIDS. But you're right in terms of vaccinations that destroying or weakening immune response, immune activity. And that leads to immune collapse that could rise to anything. You can blame almost anything on it. But they always blame what? A virus. Because a virus is easy it's not democrat or it's not republican it's not a particular industry that has lobbied our government for special status like those that poison the people or the environment and and so we can't look at the toxic poisons creating immune deficiency it has to be a virus because then nobody is liable oh yeah yeah it's uh even this guy dr maurice hilleman right after aids well uh, i mean you could go online you, he he created like 10 vaccines. I mean, how, how many vaccines does a little kid get by the time they're six months old? They get about 10 or 12. This guy, he created about eight of them. You go online, and uh, he was working for Merck back then, Dr. Maurice Hilleman. Go online, say Maurice Hilleman on origin of AIDS. And he made the hepatitis B vaccine given out to gay men. And he said that the Lytton Corporation set, sent over some monkeys, and we made the, the hepatitis B vaccine. And he said, I didn't know we were importing AIDS virus at the time. So he's basically admitting and acknowledging that it came, the AIDS came from that hepatitis B vaccine. Because at that time, um, the, in 1969, the, the military asked for $10 million from the Congress to create a virus that destroys the immune system. And uh, Lytton and Merck were the companies making those viruses. And then they you know, um, gave out these vaccines and it looks like it came from there. Just like what's going on now, you know, where did the COVID-19 uh, virus come from? It came from a lab being funded by uh, Anthony Fauci, right? Ch the Chinese lab, Wuhan lab. It's the same thing going on, you know? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of nefarious activity around the world. And that's the, that's the history of history, though. 
uh, these things. I mean, you know, whoever wrote Shakespeare, right? This is another part of official stories. Who was Shakespeare? Was it really one dude that was named Shakespeare or something else? But, you know, the idea, the intrigue of those stories is also the history of history. And this has been going on forever. And it's naive not to realize that people do horrible things to gain power, maintain it, or strengthen their stranglehold on power. And most people, I say, maybe safely, I could say that, are not really interested in having or exerting power over other people. They just want to live their lives. But we, at a certain point, have to realize the nefarious schemes that are afoot are conspiring against our ability just to live our lives and be left alone. So we're drawn into a controversy or even a battle that we would rather not engage in. But we find ourselves now on the precipice of do we lose our nation in America? Do we lose a country that was founded on the defense of liberty uh, that since it was in conceived from Declaration of Independence to Articles of Confederation to Constitution, there have been entities on this planet and people even in America conspiring to overthrow it or reduce it in its reality so that they could institute some form of global governance, collectivism, or communism. Yeah, that's one thing I learned is like, uh, I talk about that with Jim Mars in my book is, you know, a lot of socialists, communists, they think Karl Marx was a good guy. He was for the people, you know, but he was really, he's probably a Satanist. And the, the type of government that he ultimately wanted was a government which mothers and fathers don't take care of their children. There's no religion, there's no freedom. You know, Karl Marx, you know, if you go by the regular history books and whatnot, socialists, they say, oh, he's a good guy. He's trying to, to free, free the people from uh, capitalism, uh, corruption. He, he was a Satanist who wanted to have fascism and totalitarianism, you know, and that's with us today. I mean, I think that's the same thing as the deep state conspiracy is mm -hmm. the communist conspiracy, the conspiracy to have a, a world government through Agenda 21, the United Nations. That's just a continuation of uh, Karl Marx's uh, fascism, really. You know, mm -hmm. he, he wasn't a, he wasn't a good guy. He wanted to free the people. I don't think. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, like I said that godlessness. Of course, you don't acknowledge that rights come by virtue of your existence, rather than to be doled out as privileges, not rights, by government that would seek to control and enslave you, the population. We found a lot about the the uh, goodness. I say that in quotes of democracy. At the time, we're in Canada and Australia and New Zealand. They had no rights whatsoever you know, to stop the assault by government to mandate injections of experimental varieties. We struggle with that here in the United States, which is not technically a democracy, despite the fact most of our political leaders call it democracy. And, uh, you know, that's a problem in terms of understanding uh, whether you look at it, two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner or two oncologists, cancer doctors, and a homeopath voting on what to do to treat your cancer. Uh, democracy is not something that is desirable. It's mob rule, and it violates the most fundamental minority among us, and that is the individual. That's you. That's me. And, of course, we, we legislate out the rights of the individual to group dynamics and group membership, which is you know, basically a collectivist idea that your rights come by virtue of your membership in a group. That's insane. You're born an individual. You die as an individual and you live as an individual. You get sick as an individual. You get well as an individual. And yet, yes, we can engage in group dynamics in choice and in freedom, but via coercion and deception and fraud and violence, threat with loss of life and liberty. That's where it violates, again, the most fundamental tenet of defense of the minority, which is the individual.
Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, our rights come from God, you know? Yeah. So it's fine to see people in the Patriot movement. They all, uh, they all uh, recognize a higher power, you know? They all recognize that, that, uh, that our rights come from God and, and we're trying to do what God wants us to do, not what Karl Marx wants us to do. And then his, uh, his communist manifesto was the same as the Illuminati, you know? The Illuminati was started in 1789 by Adam Weishaupt. He was a, a bad guy, you know? He wanted to take over the world. He wrote 10 ways to form the perfect world government, the mm -hmm. Illuminati leader, Adam Weishaupt. And then Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto in 1848, and it was the same exact thing, you know? And, uh, you know, uh, Adam Weishaupt said, that, you know, death is just a long sleep, and, uh, you know, you could do evil to get power, you know? You, uh, it's not a good philosophy. I think when yeah. you recognize that we come from God, then you then you have these higher, proper values in life. Yeah. And, uh, even Adam Weishaupt, he talked about uh, the 10 perfect ways to get to a world government. One was to have uh, an income tax and one was to have a privately owned central bank. And so what happened in 1913, they, they formed uh, the income tax and the privately owned central bank, which mm -hmm. are just ways for the government to get our money, you know. That, wow. So the, our income tax and our Federal Reserve probably came from the Illuminati and the Communist Manifesto, you know. Remember that when that was passed, they promised that it would only affect the ultra-rich. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the ultra-rich are too smart to pay an income tax. And, of course, they've continued with the graduated income tax, which is a key plank on the Communist Manifesto. And now uh, the Biden administration and the Democrats and Republicans, with uh, some exceptions, have voted in in the Senate and probably likely in the House, and Biden would sign in, like, you know, funding 80,000-plus more IRS agents. And they... In their uh, inquiry, in terms of we're hiring, we want to make sure you're willing to use a weapon and use deadly force with that weapon. That's lovely, right? Declaring war on individuals that don't realize that they're technically not taxpayers, but they've been duped and lied to to uh, reduce their status at law or in reality to a subject rather than a sovereign. And that's a concept that has been lost as well through conspiring to erase history, including American history. Biden is just a tool at deep state. Oh, did you meet yeah. that guy Payman at the uh, Red Pill? He says he can teach people how to how to uh, beat the IRS and not pay the income tax. Did you, you know? Yes, I met Payman. He's in the Tampa area. He's got events coming up as well. And you know, it's fascinating as I hear more and more people talk about things that they would never utter like that. Uh, and and you know, I don't endorse any one system like that. I just do acknowledge to do your homework and realize that you are not subject to it. If you have an acknowledgement that you are willing to pay all taxes that you have a liability for that you lawfully owe, that's one thing. But when you realize that you are not a subject of that and you are not, it's not a lawful tax to you and you're not engaged in revenue taxable activities, there are ways to navigate life that are different. But they're so desperate to hold on to the illusion that they're willing to hire 80,000 plus more War, war people, I mean, basically soldiers to go out and threaten your life, much less take the, your property that you thought was yours if you don't comply with a, uh, say, a voluntary system that they tricked you to volunteer into. Yeah, so, you know, I think the income tax is illegal and they don't have a right to to uh, to uh, levy it against us. But if you do what payment says and you try to, to get out of it, I can't. Yeah, are you going to be successful? Are you going to go to jail? Do you right. know, a, these are the questions that you must ask and do your homework and research on before you decide to live in any particular way. 
but I think the people are recognizing that it's a dead end to go down and cooperate continuously with the growth of government and their desire to own and control <laughs> everything. And remember, a graduated income tax is such that it's not how much you pay, it's what they let you keep. And that could be zero if you go for a digital ID based on your unwillingness to comply with inevitable mRNA booster shots forever, every six months. Oh, yeah, I see you're, you're not up on that. Your, uh, your chip reader is showing us that you're not up on it. Therefore, we have locked you down. You can't use your money anywhere. Your money's no good, and we can't allow you to access the money you thought was yours in your bank account. So these are very real things that I think are tantamount to the manifestations of the mark of the beast as written about in Revelation as well. Yeah. Do you think there was, there was a hope with Trump? I, I really thought there was a hope with Trump. Mm -hmm. I thought the MAGA movement was millions of patriots who really wanted to defeat the deep state. I don't know if there's still hope with Trump. But what do you think? Well, I don't believe in political saviors, even though I acknowledge that Trump did some attempt to do some things in terms of reducing that deep state and some of the oligarchy. Uh, he certainly was far superior than anything a Democrat had done in a while, and Biden as well, especially. But even if, let's say, Trump were to become president again, uh, he learned perhaps a lesson how deep the deep state goes and how much everybody was conspired against him to do some of the things he wanted to do. But I just have to say, if we're looking to say uh, there's a political solution to something that I think is a spiritual crisis, we yeah. have been disconnected from the source of all of our rights, our very lives, via fear and the body politic takes advantage of that and dis deceives us into thinking we're less than a spiritual being, right? We're subjugating us by saying you are a political subdivision of the corporate United States. Therefore, we own and control you. Anything you work for, we'll tell you how much you can keep. And if you don't comply, we're going to take away this. We're going to take away that. And then we live as slaves, even if we say, oh, I'm not a slave, but we live as slaves, debt slaves, et cetera. And debt is that way. That's why it's so critical to have that central bank in the Federal Reserve that Thomas Jefferson and others warned us against. Yeah, really. Do you, what do you think about the only thing I saw Trump doing wrong is now he seems to be supporting the vaccines. How can, you know, other than that, he seemed to be doing everything right. What do you think about that? Do you think he's a tool of deep state now? Well, the warp speed was uh, really a, a gift to the pharmaceutical industrial complex. Some argue, and we, we went back and forth in discussing this live on the air throughout that time, about what was this a ruse? Was this a, you know, a, a, a faint in one direction? Bottom line is that through warp speed and the emergency use authorizations, we have mRNA injections or, or the like killing scores of people. Arguably, millions of people are dying and are yet to die because of that. And it's hard to defend Trump on any way, on any level with that specific thing. Even if I could say, all right, over here, I like what he did here. Over here, I like that still in many people's minds, inexcusable. Now, was he naive about it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know him personally. I knew him through other people that he had you know, good intentions and maybe still does. But I, I can't go all in, even though I know the disaster that is Biden and I acknowledge that it would be better in some way. But would he really take it all down, take it all out? That's the question uh, I still have. So, I mean, this question you have is one I have and we all are sharing. I got to hope maybe... He just didn't understand that the vaccine was bad for us. I got to hope that it was a mistake on his part because we, he was doing the MAGA movement was such a great populist movement, you know, mm -hmm. and he was doing everything else right. I don't oh, know. Yeah. And he's been instructed, don't bring up the vaccine because the MAGA movement people, by and large, don't like it at all. 
so we'll see what happens if he's indeed running. Uh, will he uh, acknowledge it was a mistake or will he continue to say this is my greatest legacy? Because there's a cognitive dissonance there that he might not be able to overcome. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Doug, look, I appreciate talking with you and you being on board. It was so nice to meet you at the Red Pill Expo. Do you have any other events coming up we should know about? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should go to some of your events. I saw on your website you have a lot of good events there. Maybe I'll check one of them out. Yeah, you should de- yeah. definitely meet us at the Health Freedom Expo outside of Chicago, October 15th and 16th. I think they've got 50 bucks off of a, a booth uh, that uh, will expire, I think, the end of this month by August 31st. So, How many, how many people go there? You know, I don't know, about 1,000 maybe? Oh, okay. All right. Pretty nice. We have a all great right. time, maybe more. Who knows this year? We'd love to see you there. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So everybody, if you haven't picked this up, it's called American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups, and it goes through a lot of these things and sounds like great interviews you did to kind of uncover some of this. And I know there have been many books written about it, but I appreciate Skyhorse publishing it, and I appreciate you and all the research you've done to, to bring it out. Well, thanks. Thanks. It's good talking to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it. That is Douglas Sirignano, and I hope everybody will pick that up, and uh, maybe we'll get to see him at the Health Freedom Expo as well. Uh, it, you know, this is, again, quite, quite a journey we're on on this planet. And when we find things out like that Doug has written about, it can be overwhelming. It could be frightening. I acknowledge that in my own history of learning the things that Doug has written about, Liam Sheff has written about, Ty Bollinger has written about, and many others have researched. It's a scary history that many of us might not want to see, but we're living the manifestation of not wanting to see it, not wanting to know, covering our ears, covering our eyes, going la, 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 it's not happening. That's not working as much as we'd like to say, just let us live alone in peace or, you know, in freedom. The folks that want to control and own you don't want you to live in peace and freedom, even though they'll sweeten those words and they'll say it's for peace, it's for health, it's for health care, it's to save the planet, but they will kill you. They will kill you on the way to reduce the population of planet Earth. And they won't volunteer themselves out. They will volunteer you out, making you believe that you don't have an opportunity to volunteer out of it. They will volunteer you in or out of the life chain, so to speak, via these mandates and these things that we are witnessing here. So let me see here. I'm getting messages. I don't know if this is related to Michael Bednarik. Uh, yeah, I was hoping to get um, Michael Bolden on on with us today. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Michael passed away you know, overnight. And uh, man. Yeah, I'll talk more about it in the bonus round. I know um, just, you know, the reminiscing, the thoughts, the, 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 the stories to share. And, and we'll be doing that on an ongoing basis. I hope we can get Michael Bolden on because he he was also a good friend of Michael Badnarik's and uh, invited him to speak at the 10th Amendment Center event and the, the, you know, the Nullify, Now or tour, Nullify Now tour, particularly one in Dallas where we got to hang out together and um, just make great memories, get great memories. Um, the challenges that we face are varied and they're many. Um, some people are c- completely unconscious and unaware of anything that's going on and are still following along. Those that watch CN- or MSNBC and CNN and such, it's a sad, sad life, but it's their life. And, and they may wake up in time, they might not. But it's clear that there's an end stage or maybe an end game, not to take that from Marvel. I mean, that was the you know, end game. That's something people have thought about. What's your end game? What's the end game? And if they're true to their word, 
you, the end game is a massive reduction of the population of, on planet Earth so that the elites can easily control those who are left, or so they think. But the thing that they might not be thinking about as well or as clearly about is that the people who remain are the ones that are not dupes and rubes and ignorant of their plans. It's those who have refused, despite all of the pressure and the lies and the deceptions and the frauds and the threats, refused to engage in allowing the injection of COVID jabs. And now we're waking up to say all of the jabs are in question, including those that fall under the previous definition of what a vaccine was or maybe is. And so who are they left with? The fighters, the warriors. Those are ready to take it to them if they continue this push to attempt to eradicate us as well. As I said, if you are a, a global warming alarmist and maybe you have a sincere desire to help the planet, so to speak. I, I'm like, dude, the planet is going to be fine. It's the people on it. We're killing ourselves in reality. We're engaged in a mass suicidal genocide by poisoning ourselves with things that come from the earth, in fact. Synthesizing things since the age of organic chemistry. That doesn't mean organic growing of food, but organic chemistry when we can manipulate the molecules of oil into all kinds of things. We can isolate things that are naturally occurring. You know, you could argue mercury is natural. <laughs> aluminum is natural. But when they are isolated or brought out, even in minute quantities into the body, into our environment, they become greatly damaging to our metabolic cellular functions, resulting in all kinds of aberrant uh, disease manifestations. In homeopathy, what's brilliant about Dr. Hahnemann's uh, uh, breakthrough in the 1790s, early 1800s, was that he utilized the substances of nature, even those things that were toxic from nature, in a very safe and dilute way to reverse many of these ailments and illnesses often caused by the same toxic poisons. Now, we've added millions and millions of toxic compounds uh, made by not God, but by man, by manipulating creation. And yes, that creates pollution and that can harm the environment or the ecosystem. But who is harmed by that? Anything that relies on that ecosystem for life. And that means humanity. But if they think that they can just eradicate humans and that it all goes back to, you know, everything's fine. Those people, they want slaves. They want you enslaved to produce for them. I'm talking about the globalist elitists. Some of the things probably Doug wrote about in the book that we talked about this hour. They don't want to grow their own food. They want you to grow it for them. They don't want to build anything. They don't want to repair anything. They want you to do it at Chinese slave wa wages, slave labor wages. And I don't know how they're going to succeed or how they think they're going to succeed because uh, certainly in this audience and those of you that read natural news and follow Mike Adams and others, you know, you're not going down that road. And, and if they try to make you, you're going to go down fighting. And you're going to take them out. It's kind of like my Jewish brethren going back to the era of uh, Nazi Germany, the rise of the Reich. If the Jews had not given up their firearms, right? That was part of the agenda of Hitler. Disarm the populace so they can't defend themselves. I'm not saying that the that all the Jews would have been saved, but you'd have taken out a lot of Nazis along the way. They've been a little bit more reluctant 
to just kind of knock on doors or barge into doors, knowing that there is going to be lead flying their direction as well. And this is also the legacy of my dearly departed friend, Michael Badnarik. The desire to defend life is not the equivalent of the desire to engage in warfare. Right. Those of us who believe in the Second Amendment or this idea, and by the way, the Second Amendment doesn't grant you the right to keep and bear arms. It acknowledged that that right comes from your creation, from God, from a creator, the right to self-defense. And if you engage or are willing to engage and people know you are willing to engage it, you're less likely to be victimized by these totalitarian globalist megalomaniacs that either want to enslave you or kill you so that those who remain are their slaves. But they go, they're going about it a little wrong. I don't know that there's a right way to go about it because those of you who are resisting are the problem for them. And you're, you're, you're going to be all that's left as opposed to those who blindly went down that mRNA rabbit hole injection because they were afraid of something that was created not by God but by man, deceived into existence. Isn't it fascinating? So we are at a perilous point in our journey at the same time there's a great opportunity to reestablish a renaissance, if you will, of freedom, of liberty. Michael Badnarik dedicated his life to that while he was here. And he said, when I die, freedom is no longer my problem. Liberty is no more. Well, on the other side, I'm sure he's still doing his thing. He's got his spiritual 45 holstered up and ready to go in defense of life. And if you take that stand and let the bad guys know, whoever or whatever you perceive them to be, that you will not go quietly into the night. They're likely to leave you alone because the harm that comes to them is not because of what you do in response to their attempt to harm you, but I guess it really is them instigating the harm that they're going to bring to themselves for those who are willing to stand up in defense of liberty, in defense of life, defense of even property, which technically you're not even allowed to own. They've altered property to real estate. So I'm going to end here today. And I'll be back in 60 seconds for those of you watching live. Super Don's out uh, visiting family on a family trip. I want to thank Jonathan Emord. I want to thank uh, Douglas Sirignano. I would ask that you would consider signing up for our newsletter. Send RSB, text RSB to 22828. Also, thanks again to Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. Get a safe pesticide that is not going to kill you or your kids or your or your pets. Go to orangeguard.com, order it direct, or you can go to the local Ace Hardware store. Please take a picture when you get that bottle. Show us the Orange Guard in action, and we're going to do some kind of giveaway, as we do on our AMAs. For those of you who are patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell Show, you can find out how to do that at robertscottbell.com, where I simply remind you that the power to heal is yours. Okay, we're back here, and I'm back here anyway. Uh, I don't know how long the bonus round will be. Uh, like I said, I was hoping to have somebody on with me to reminisce about Michael Badnarik, but this is all so new, so so recent, uh, losing my friend Michael Badnarik. Uh, and he was on, as I said, his 11th life at this point, uh, having had a massive heart attack some years ago on the steps of the, the Wisconsin Capitol in Madison. And, you know, one of my dearest friends in this lifetime, uh, we, we, she doesn't come on the show anymore. She likes to write, not apparently appear, but Roseanne Lindsay, uh, helped so much 
and making sure Michael could be with us for a number of, of years extra. And of course, I helped where I could and others did. And eventually he was relying on uh, the medical community with their medicines to keep that heart going and other procedures. And we knew that his expiration date from a physical body perspective was coming up. And we talked about it. And, you know, many people were, were writing Michael and saying, hey, try this. Have you tried this? Have you tried it? Michael was beyond, have you tried this? It was like, just enjoy the time. Just enjoy the time you have. That's where Michael was. I, I, you know, as a homeopath, of course, I was always there to help him with whatever he needed. At the same point in time, it was like, you know what? If he wants to enjoy an ice cream sundae from a, uh, a, a bad cow, I, I'm not standing in the way. You know, this is your time to enjoy the time you have left. And he knew that it was, wasn't long. He made it through to his, his, his birthday uh, recently. Um, we, we got him connected uh, to Dr. Batara in the Advanced Medicine Conference, and he did a tremendous lunch uh, a presentation uh, like only Michael Bednarik can deliver, and people loved it. They really enjoyed it. And I, I hope we can find a way to get that video, make it available, because that may be his final lecture, quote unquote, that he gave. And uh, that's you know history. He's a big part of my history in this lifetime of brothers and sisters that love freedom, that recognize that this is the essence of who we are. And that although many attempts are made all the time on this planet to remove you from your freedom, that there are people that are unwilling to go quietly and silently, that are willing to step up into the fray if need be, to stand in the gap in defense of that freedom that is ours by virtue of our very creation, but not guaranteed to us if we fall asleep on it, lay down on it, just as those who have said, like uh, Benjamin Franklin credited, what, you know, what hath you wrought a republic if you can keep it? Um, you know, the idea of, of establishing liberty and maintaining it to our posterity meant we had to continually be diligent and vigilant in its defense. And we have not been as a nation, as a people. And that's not an accusation to any one of us particularly, but we all recognize now perhaps that we can do better. Maybe we can do more and more and better. More better? <laughs> Somebody's going to get mad at me for saying that. Uh, so what else in bonus round? I'm going to check out your uh, comments, questions. Murdoch, how do you spell Michael's last name? Badnarik. If you look in the notes today at robertscottbell.com, August 11th, 2022, I've spelled his name. I've linked his website, badnarik.org, and uh, the book, Good to Be King, as well as the chapter you can download for free, The Difference Between Rights and Privileges, which is will go down in history as one of the all-time best chapters in any book describing the difference between rights and privileges. If you know that, just that alone will help you navigate life and not fall prey to the Decepticons that try to tell you the government can grant the government can grant you rights. Those are privileges, or that groups have rights. Sorry, that's not true either. That's an artificial reality. So let's see uh, what other stories can I? I mean, I've got so many, so, and, and I know many people do have so many great memories with Michael Badnarik. Um, I could tell you briefly this story. Uh, and, and this is how, you know, we became, you know, all, automatically I, I was like, this guy's awesome. Right. When he said that famous line, when I asked him about mandatory vaccines from the Bush administration under the war on terror and all of that, he says, OK, Doc, you bring the syringe. I'll bring my 45 and we'll see who makes a bigger hole. 
And, and that was like, oh, this guy's awesome. And there was a time when he was, you know, on the campaign trail, just moving around. I mean, going to every little, I mean, it was like brutal. It's not like first class travel, like a Republican or a Democrat. It's like car rides everywhere. And, you know, the back of the bus, so to speak, everywhere you go. And there was a point in time where uh, he came to visit me. This was back in Georgia when I was still in Georgia in Stone Mountain in our home. And he had his, his, his arms, particularly his left arm was so swollen. You could hardly see, you know, his fingers were just, it was like, like blood was pooling all in there. And I said, Michael, what happened? What are you, what is going on here? Well, the, the, the doctor said I had, you know, a heart issue and they put me on a blood thinner and aspirin. So he's on a blood thinner like Coumadin, Warfarin at the time, rat poison. And then the doctor said, take aspirin too. I said, Michael, you're bleeding internally. We've, we've got to get this thing under control or you're not going to live. And, and I you remember talking to him about this. It's like, holy tamole. So we got him on some homeopathic remedies, did some other things. And, and, you know, at that moment he realized not knowing anything about natural medicine necessarily or homeopathy, that it's like, my gosh, this guy knows what he's talking about, you know? And, and so he would always consult, call up if there was a, a health issue or concern. And then, as I said, later on, he connected with my friend, our friend, uh, Roseanne Lindsay, and you can check out Roseanne. She's a naturopath. She's amazing. Uh, natureofhealing.org, natureofhealing.org. And, uh, she helped tremendously as well over the last years, whenever Michael needed some, you know, assistance, some guidance and, uh, she donated her time for Michael and appreciated so much the freedom that he stood for as well. And these are just a few stories that jump out at me. I mean, I've got many and I want to hear more from any, any of you who knew Michael, uh, because you know, this is, we lose people, but not everybody's that close of a personal friend where we talked again. And we talked a lot recently, not as much as you would want to, but I realized that any conversation I had like the one last week would maybe the last one. And, you know, remember he, he published early the, the, the report of his death before he actually had died and, and somebody had contacted me and I called Michael. He said, no, I'm not yet. I just wanted to put that out there already. Uh, so, um, if there's a memorial service or something like that, I don't know about it yet. I'm going to call one of his friends that I think is there in San Antonio, uh, to talk more about it. Maybe get him on Alan Teeple. Yeah. Alan, um, after I get off the airs here. So. Oh, Gretel, people like Michael inspire me to have courage when things around us are feeling too oppressed. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's part of it. These people do serve as, uh, you know, a light, a beam of light, a fire, a sacred fire to, to kind of give us some strength, right? You see it in them and then you feel it, that courage seeping back into you that maybe you have lost because you have been afraid you've been alone, isolated. You didn't see people. You didn't have many examples of people who had the courage of their convictions, willing to stand up and yeah, face the consequences of living in freedom, despite everyone else around them living as slaves and a government that is more than happy to usurp those rights because they know the slaves are not going to revolt when another freedom person is going to be brought into their ranks. You know, that's the thing about, uh, I guess the matrix, this, uh, or, I, I think one of the greatest science fiction films, the invasion of the body snatchers, I think it's been done two or three times, but you know, it, once they found out you weren't one of them, it's sort of, they point and make the sound and, and, you know, in the, in the matrix movies, that was also the concept of, uh, you know, when they knew you weren't part of the matrix, they wanted you back in. They didn't want anybody else to be 
awakened to the reality that they were actually asleep and enslaved, that they were a copper top, so to speak. So uh, these are, uh, you know, these are the people that inspire us to find our way back to liberty, much like the founding fathers and their writings. If, you know, very few people actually understand the reason that they wrote what they wrote, what they knew of history before the dawning of the American Revolution and the Republican form of government that had never before been tried in recorded history. And so we need people, yes, to do that, but we need to be those people. Kind of like what Doug was asking about Trump. You know, do you think Trump, da, 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 da. like even if he is like as pure as a Ron Paul is, Ron Paul is not a political savior. He definitely woke a lot of people up to a lot of these principles and established some really good things to occur since then. But, you know, for the most part, people have ignored it or overtly attacked it. But those people do inspire us, don't they? I'm inspired by a lot of people. I hope and pray that I can inspire you to, to, to do better and be better once you know better, whatever way that is. I'm not judging you where you are. That's not my point either. But we're on this journey, not alone and not isolated, although they wanted us to be divided by isolation because of fear of the germ. And in that way, they would keep us from connecting and being inspiring or inspiring others or being inspired by others. When we come together and we talk about the fact that we're not afraid, or I was afraid until we got together and I thought, whoa, I really don't need to be afraid. So it is not to, I guess you could say canonize or, or deify Michael Bednarik. I'm sure he's not interested in that, never was. But it's to acknowledge that, yes, we can take inspiration from people who have stood up against tyranny. You know, whether it be the story of Rosa Parks and not getting on the back of the bus. And there were others that didn't become as famous stories like that. But hopefully they inspire us to go, you know what? I can do that now. It's not just something that happened in history because we're living in the history that our ancestors are, well, I'll say it now the other way, our progeny, our, our uh, posterity, our kids, their kids will talk about this time. The question is, <laughs> do you want to be one of those ones that's cowered in fear? The stories that are told about you or, yeah, my dad, my mom, my grandma, my aunt, my, my, my friend, he or she did not cower in fear, did not remain silent. As another story mimicking the rise of the, the Reich of Germany and Nazi Germany. This is why, you know, Vera Sharab's story is so important. And Scott Shera connecting with Vera, talking about the modern day killing fields of the hospital system. This is why I am meeting regularly, and many of you are too, with all kinds of doctors, regular medical ones holistic ones, integrative lay type healers coming together and say, we've got to do better and we can do better. We know this is a disaster. And now even the people within the medical profession are waking up to realize it is too. And they don't want to be part of that either. It's a struggle because they've been given exalted status for a long time now. And they're going to lose that, but better to lose that than to be met by an angry mob as you're trying to retain it. You know, there's nothing wonderful about what modern medicine has done when it comes to the third being the third, second or first leading cause of death, the monopoly that it is. So in the passing of someone like a Michael Badnarik, not everybody knew him. I, not everybody knows what even a libertarian party is. I'm not. This is not about party politics per se. 
but the idea of a libertarian is really, I believe, a high ideal. It's one you know that recognizes our rights come from a creator, and that defense of those rights is all that we would ask of government, not a trouncing upon them, a removal of them, etc. And the Libertarian Party, capital L, is not perfect by all means. It's got its problems. But the idea of defending liberty, even the liberty of those you, with whom you don't agree, and that's an interesting thing because we've seen that in terms of many people will be all for freedom if it's in agreement with their belief in freedom and what freedom is to them. But what if somebody believes differently and lives differently? Now, here's where you draw the line in a libertarian concept that my freedom ends where yours begins. As long as I don't violate your right to life, liberty, and property, we can get along just fine. And I think that's also the history of history. You know, talking with my mom, who grew up in what was then Palestine, became Israel, and then afterwards suddenly became this hotbed of, of hatred. And, you know, because the governments, the globalists of the world came in to foment that. And a moment before, Arabs, Christians, Jews were all living together, going to the market, sitting at coffee, you know, places and enjoying life. And sure, they had differences and beliefs about life, but they, by and large, had an investment in their own communities to say, you know what, I think it behooves us to get along. Right? If, you, if, you're, if you're left without these agents provocateur from higher up or whatever you want to call it, government or otherwise, people find a way to go, you know what, we all live here. We're better off, even if we have disagreements, to get along. And what mucks that up? Those who play us via the Hegelian dialectic. Those who play us by saying, oh, no, 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 you got to hate that person because they believe this. And, and, you know, while there are people that are hateful and, and filled with violence and rage and there are other things like that that do exist, I'm not naive. The reality is they're not in the majority. Average folks find a way to get along with one another when left of their own accord and go, you know what? It's in our best interest. What's in our best interest? To get along, even in disagreement. As long as you don't violate my right to life, liberty, and property, you don't take my stuff, you don't break my stuff. <laughs> it's, it's a basic thing we try to teach our kids, right? When they're two, to learn those basics so they can become good people, not citizens per se, but people that respect freedom, freedom of others. How much do you respect that freedom? Find out what those areas of vulnerability you have where you're like, oh no, not freedom there. I'm not talking about freedom to do wanton damage to other people's properties or anything to children. That's not freedom. Those are fundamental violations of freedom. Libertarianism is not the same as libertinism. It's not debauchery. Although someone might engage in it, but only in freedom in terms of uh, adults agreeing to whatever. But that's a whole, you know, that's often a confusing area where you want to legislate how people live. And that violates their freedoms as well. Be an example for others to live better. Batar used to say this. He still does. You know, preach without ever opening your mouth. Let your life be an example to what you believe because hypocrisy is very easy to spot. I don't want to be hypocritical. That's why I have my super Don and my wife. If I am, slap me around, get me back in line. <laughs> but you can spot it. Where do people learn to take drugs? Where do kids learn to take drugs? They watch their parents. We're talking about pharmaceutical drugs, though, but you can't distinguish between them and other things often as well. All right. Any questions or comments? I'm just uh, rambling at this point. Uh, again, I, I uh, you can you can you can feel it. Uh, I almost broke down in tears. I'm not a showman in that way. I wouldn't pretend, uh, but I will cry 
the more, you know, when it hits you really the loss of a loved one or a friend like that, you gotta, you gotta grieve. And I'll find out if there's a way we can do that. If there's a memorial service online, offline, in person somewhere, uh, definitely want to follow up with you there. Uh, I look forward to super Don coming back <laughs> after his little trip. Thank you for setting it up, making it go, even though I forgot how it was going to go to make it go, but somehow we made it. Um, you know, I want to say a quick thank you because it was a, such a wonderful weekend again this last weekend in Pittsburgh. Thanks to Jamie Dorley and the family at Nutritional Frontiers, hanging out with Tracy Straub and Judy Mikovits and so many others. Like, I can't name you all, but that was a real beautiful weekend. Yes, there was education. It was intense, but there was a lot of time for just sharing and laughter and storytelling and the value in that is, is, is equal equivalent, sometimes even greater than the education you get when you come together. And Jamie Dorley gets that. And I appreciate that respect that immensely. So if you haven't plugged into our friends at nutritional frontiers, good Lord, the CBD is amazing. Certified organic us hemp, uh, go to cbdnf.com. And remember, um, you can, when you go there, cbdnf.com, you can sign up to become a customer. If you're in the United States, you mentioned the Robert Scott Bell show. There's a drop down menu. They're, they're going to send you a bunch of samples. And when they do take that picture with those samples in you and send it into super Don, ask RSB at gmail.com, ask RSB at gmail.com. And we'll enter in. I don't know when we're going to this next. I'm waiting for at least one more entry. So make sure you get those samples, send a picture in, and then we'll do another big giveaway. And they're so generous in the way they give, give stuff away. But remember the RSB 15 discount code even applies to sale items. So thank you. Thank you, Jamie Dorley and the crew. And thanks to Christopher, um, key and his IGF one plus, uh, I mean, my workouts are just like, they're, they're insane in a good way. And this stuff is really great. If you want to build muscle, lose fat and do other things that, that are helpful, this is a good stuff. Go to keys to life.shop uh, discount code bell. I think it's buy one, get one free or something like that. 50% off stuff. So I just have to mention that because without the support of you guys and gals and other great companies with products and services, we can't take the time to, to hopefully inspire you. I can't to do this. And I appreciate the opportunity to do this. This has been a great joy. It is a great joy for me to, to, to be able to do this broadcast with super Don mostly with many of our friends that come on regularly tomorrow. Uh, some of our dear friends and there are you like Ula is planning. I hopefully to come on and I'll talk to Leslie if she can join us from her garden tomorrow uh, somehow. And, and we can share, you know, stories together as well as our journey, because I think we're uplifted and strengthened by those stories coming together and celebrating life and even commiserating and loss, you know, and, and mourning and grieving the loss that that is very real. And it's part, part of, um, part of life, you know, whether it be the circle of life or not, however you perceive it. Uh, so, all right, I'm about to wrap up. Oh, thanks, Marge. Uh, I see. I'm so sorry, RSB. Uh, we'll be talking more about that. I'm not the only one to lose friends and family. I mean, this is part of what, what's happening now, but gaining, you know, the, 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 the awareness that I have of life, the continuity of life beyond this physical life. I am not concerned for Michael Badnarik or those that pass. I'm concerned for us that we're left behind, you know, finding our purpose, finding a way through the grief and the sadness when we lose those loved ones, but, uh, we can always reconnect. And I appreciate again, your, your kind thoughts and love as well as, uh, obviously this is a bit of a philosophical moment in, in, in grieving the loss of a friend, Michael Badnarik. So 
Uh, if you have stories to share about Michael, if you hear this later and want to submit something written or call us on the phone, uh, the 866-939-2355 number and leave a message, we'll play it. Or if you want to join me on the air and share it, like I you know, would love to have Bolden on when he's available to do so. That would be amazing. So uh, with that, I think uh, I think I've got some. Uh, let's see, how do I end this? This is the the hard part. Let's see. I'm gonna plus hit the plus sign here. Find a video. I've got three different Mickey friendly tunes to wrap up with here. I'm gonna four, five, six. I don't know which one to play. I'll just play this one. Let's see. I got that opened up. All right. God bless you all. Thank you. My heart goes out to you, and I appreciate all the heartfelt messages and condolences as well. And uh, God willing, we'll be back less than 22 hours from now because the power to heal, even, you know, emotionally up from these things is, is yours. It's granted to us and it comes from a far higher place than government. I know you know that. May the blessings be y'all. Thanks again for being here once again.